All right, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday worship, our family worship. As we've been saying, this is the most lively meet and greet that we've had in Sunday, which is awesome. I'm pretty sure that's from the children um, and the energy that they bring. It's, this is really cool. This feels like the early church, what they would experience in the first century, because usually the early church would be not just the adults, but all the children here. There's smoke and meat being grilled out, just like the early sacrifices at the temple. So you kind of just feel this early church vibe that's taking place. And, you know, again, as emphasized, we're inviting our children here because we, as a church, we love our children. And uh, if, if you're a child here, welcome to our Sunday service with all the aunties and the uncles. And uh, we hope to do this, uh, not just this one Sunday, but we hope this could be a culture. We do this every once in a while, uh, depending on how today goes. And so th that's the plan. Uh, that's the hope. Um, we hope this could be a, a season or day where we could train our children to know how to worship together. But it's also for us to know, again, as Pastor Sam mentioned, the children in our church and how there's many of them who are here. Uh, one good news is because of this family worship, hope to make the sermon a little bit shorter, just a little bit, a little bit shorter, a little more visuals uh, than usual. But uh, the word of God is still going to be preached. I'm still primarily preaching to you as an adult who is here, although I might do some shout outs for our children as well. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your program, we're going to be going through our, our series that we've been going starting last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. So if you're there with me, I'm going to read it out loud and you can follow along. Children, that is the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, write that down. All right, so here we go, starting in verse 1. Apostle Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one says, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, the one, by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And we will stop there. This is the reading of God's word. For some reason I feel like I had to talk a little bit louder because there's a lot of energy taking place, but it's awesome. Well, with that being said, you know, summer, it is almost over for all of us. Uh, and one question I often like to ask as an icebreaker is, how did you spend your summer? What was your summer like? And your answer probably depends on the life stage that you are in. If you're a student, you probably went to summer school or you stayed home with your parents. It's kind of sad, but that's just the way it was, right? That's how your summer is. If you're a young adult, a working young adult, you would say, my summer looks exactly like my fall, winter, and spring. It's just a little bit warmer. I'm just working more. Uh, but if you're a, a couple, if you're married or if you have uh, close friends or so forth, you might have traveled a lot during the summer. Um, but ask the kids. If you ask our kids, what did you do during this past summer, I'm pretty sure they will say a lot of them, we went swimming. We did a lot and a lot of swimming. My family, we also enjoy swimming. And last summer, uh, I still remember we were supposed to swim in our community pool. And my wife, she actually bought this large floaty that you can see right here. It's a large floaty. That, that, yeah, that floaty right there. 
And she says, hey, can you, um, can you pump it up? And I was like, sure. So I grabbed it, and I just started blowing, just blowing in this, this uh, floaty. And after 10 minutes, I was so tired. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so exhausting. And there was barely any air into this giant boat. And so I told my wife and I told my kids who were excited to go in this floaty. I said, sorry, kids, no floaty today. It's going to take me like a week to blow this thing up. And I remember my wife, she responded saying, why don't you just use the electric air pump? And I was like, what is that? And I didn't know, but she had bought this air pump that where you press a button, it just blows air automatically. And in fact, if you look at the instructions for this little floaty, it says you need an air pump in order to float it up. And I was like, oh, man, so something like this, you can't just, like, blow it, but you need, like, extra power in order for this to actually be used in a functional way. And the reason why I bring this up is because this new sermon series that we started last week, Every Member Ministry, we're going to learn we need something very similar in the church. The church is also something that we need like this. Because we said last week the church, it is uh, one definition defined by followers of Jesus who come together to display God's glory through active love and service. It's not just something you come and you watch, but something you participate in through love and through service together. And when we receive love and service from the church, and when we offer love and service to one another, that's when the church grows. That's when you see the maturity of the church body develop. But here's the problem. We can't do this by just trying hard. If the main thing is, hey, I'm going to love really hard today, I'm going to buy extra burgers after service today to just like serve and so forth, we're going to be like that floaty that needs more power. Because we're told when we read the scriptures that power comes not from ourselves, we actually need something called the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. His presence needs to be here, and without him, we're going to feel really flat. It's not going to work. We're going to be tired. I like this one uh, author. His name is John Tyson. He was saying that, you know, there are certain cultures that develop depending on your church and what you do. So, for example, and your practices. So one example he gives is the practice of programs without the development of leaders, you become a culture of consumption. If all you do is have programs but no leaders are developed, consumption. The practice of critique without the willingness to get involved is a culture of discouragement. If all you do is when this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, but you don't get involved, it's just a discouraging culture. But a practice of serving, if we go, let's serve, let's get involved, but you don't recognize the Spirit's presence, what happens is you have a culture of fatigue. Everyone is tired. John Tyson says, quote, in light of this, to call people to discipleship and mission without the same power that Jesus operated out of is to invite people to burn out. And I can't help but think at a church like ours, this tends to happen a lot. Where we're down to help, to get involved, to love, and to serve. But we get tired. We get really tired. That's why we wanted to have even this break these past few weeks for our volunteers. Because we're really tired. And what we need to do during this upcoming season that would encourage us to be that loving, active church. Is we need the spirit to really be involved. For the spirit to move in this place. And one way the spirit tends to move and is most involved is this term called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, this is a loaded term. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. I hope to do a future series one day just about the spirits and the gifts and so forth. But today would be more of an introduction where our sermon title, especially for all you children, it is Everyone with a Gift. Everyone has a gift. That's the main point today. All the loaded stuff there. You can talk to me after service. We've talked about all the specific things. But the title, 
everyone with the gift. But for all of us here, we're going to break this down three ways. Number one, the problem of spiritual gifts. Even though this is what our church needs, there's a problem. Let's talk about the problem. Secondly, the practice of spiritual gifts. What does it look like to practice spiritual gifts? And lastly, the power for spiritual gifts. How can we be empowered to continue to use our gifts for one another? So the problem, the practice, the power. So far, kids, you're doing awesome. Keep at it. Let's, let's start with the first one, the problem of spiritual gifts. So the Apostle Paul, the passage we just read, he starts off 1 Corinthians 12 saying, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Let's talk about spiritual gifts. And the reason why is because he's saying, because you don't know what I'm talking about when I bring this subject up. Look what it says in verse 1 again. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And Paul, his first point that he wants to make, especially to our children, is this. Everyone has a gift to bless others with. Paul said that last, or we learned that last week. If you're in this church, everybody has a gift. It is meant to be a blessing to our church. But what's interesting is, in the church of Corinth, when they heard this, it didn't make everyone go, yeah, we're the church. Everybody was divided. They all started bickering with one another in the first century. Because some of the members thought, well, I have this gift. Well, what kind of gift is that? And they started looking down on each other. And Paul's like, the reason why you're so fighting amongst one another and divided is because you are uninformed. You don't know what spiritual gifts are. And that's why you're kind of going crazy. And I would argue in our context today, in our church, when we think about spiritual gifts, we might be just as divided. We just don't talk about it, but we're all in different places. For example, if you are new to the church, if you're kind of checking out what Christianity is, and you hear us talk about spiritual gifts, that sounds really weird to you. It sounds kind of kooky. Like, what in the world are spiritual gifts? You're a Christian and you believe in this stuff? Like, what is that? And so for all of us, it's kind of weird and kooky. Some of you, I know you come from a very charismatic background, and you're like, I was waiting for a sermon like this. I was waiting for us to talk about spiritual gifts because it's fascinating to you. You see spiritual gifts as this supernatural power that you get once you become a Christian. Like once you believe in Jesus, he just gives you this new power and just kind of expresses itself in this crazy way. And so you took a spiritual gift test online to figure out what's your spiritual gift. And you're like, oh, awesome. Some of you found out I'm a prophet, so I have to get the prophecy. And others are like, oh, darn, it's service. I guess I'm a servant. And that's your mentality of gifts. It's like this category thing to figure out what your superpower is as a Christian. The majority of us, though, which I know this is our church, you're kind of more on the conservative side. And when I say spiritual gifts, you can't help but be like, <laughs> like it's a little triggering, it's a little scoffing, because you've seen churches abuse this a lot. You've seen churches talk a big game with spiritual gifts, and it all feels kind of weird to you. You always felt skeptical about it. Even though it's in the Bible and you say, I believe in it, to actually see it, you go like, this is really weird. I'm not sure this is true. And you're kind of worried, oh my gosh, is this one of those churches? I thought you all preached the Bible here. Are we going to be going crazy with spiritual gifts? And what I want to say is this is a, a potentially dividing topic that not many people talk about, but we're like the Corinthians. If the problem is not spiritual gifts. The problem is we are uninformed, like in verse 1. We are uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. So let's break it down what we mean when we say spiritual gifts. Let's just that term, spiritual gifts. The word spiritual. Uh, I like what uh, this one author named John McComer said where he says, you know, when you think of the word spiritual, what comes to mind? If I asked you, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does the modern person say? Immaterial? Something invisible? The opposite of physical? 
that's what we think of spiritual. It's something you cannot see. So if, you're, if this is spiritual, it's something invisible or something that's just different from the physical. But in the New Testament, that is not how that word is used. The word spiritual or spirit, it's the Greek word pneuma. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Greek specific word is pneumatikosis. And it's something that is animated by the spirit. That's what that word literally means, to be animated by the spirit. Think of the word pneumatic. The word pneumatic refers to some type of propulsion that's there, something that's kind of moving forward. The root word of that is pneuma. So the spirit, what it does is he animates something. He propels something. That's why Paul, he talks about how there are natural bodies in 1 Corinthians 15 and spiritual bodies. He's not saying there are physical bodies and invisible bodies. He's saying there is a body that's just physical and there's a body that's propelled, moved by the spirit inside of them. And so the spirit of God, what it actually indicates, it's, it's something coming in that activates something inside of you. That's spiritual. Now, what's spiritual gifts then? Again, when we think of spiritual gifts, we think of the spirit comes and gives you a new superpower, like tongues or prophecy or something religious like that, right? And again, there's some truth to that. If you look at verse 10 of our passage, you'll notice a list of some interesting, quote, gifts. Miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those sound pretty interesting. But... If you look at verses 8 to 9, you'll notice some less interesting gifts. You notice what he says? Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing. Healing, by the way, it's not just referring to like a broken arm being healed. It could be emotional healing. It could be some type of mental healing that's there. Romans chapter 12, which also, also lists gifts, it talks about there's a, you have the gift of giving. How is that a gift? But it talks about you have the gift of giving. Serving, mercy, encouragement. And so what's really interesting is when you combine all that together, what Paul seems like he means is that while the Spirit could come and give you miraculous gifts, what also the Spirit does is he comes and he propels, he moves, he activates the gifts that you already have. The gifts that you already have. Now what this means is this. Many of you here, if you ask yourself, oh, okay, I'm a Christian, I have a spiritual gift, what is that? You don't have to take a spiritual gift, gift test online. You don't need a prophet to go over you going, let me figure out your spiritual gift. Just ask yourself, what are you good at? What's something that you are good at and people actually say, I think you're good at that? What are you naturally good at that blesses people? And here's the problem for us. When we think about that, whatever you are good at, your abilities for a lot of us, you don't see it as a gift because our culture makes it really difficult to see our abilities as gifts. Because we are an achievement-focused culture, and it's really difficult to see anything as a real gift. It's something that we earn, that we develop, that we kind of deserve. And so the idea of us, what we do as a gift, that's kind of weird. I mean, think about the way you get gifts. When does somebody give you a present? If I went up to you after service today going, hey, here's a gift. You're, what will be the first word you say? Thanks. What's this for? Imagine if I said, oh, no reason. I just felt like giving you a gift. You would think that's kind of creepy. You would think, oh, you want me to serve in education, huh? You want, you want me to join the setup industry, that's, that's the reason, huh? You would be very skeptical. Because in our culture, even though a gift by definition means something freely given, we do not understand that. In our minds, we accept it, but we don't really practice that. When do you get gifts? If it's your birthday, some type of special occasion for you. If you graduated, Christmas, only if you're nice, not naughty. Your anniversary. Your wedding, your, birth, your children being born. Gifts, in other words, it's always attached to something. Something you do, a status that you achieve. But a pure gift is really 
weird for us. And because of that, the idea that what we can do well to say that's a gift that you receive, it is really antithetical to our modern culture. But Christianity, the whole premise of the Christian faith is that you are a creature. There is a God who is a creator. And everything you have, including your talents, that's a gift. Your resources, that's a gift. And there's a purpose behind that. It's not just for you, but verse 7 of our passage tells us what the purpose is. Look what again it says in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of spirit for what? The common good. The common good. If what you have is something that you achieved or earned, you can do whatever you want with it. But if everything you have is a gift, you must use it for the purpose of what that gift is for. Let me give you an example how that plays out. You know, a few years ago, uh, my wife, uh, she, had, uh, she gave birth to our second child. And when she gave birth to our second child, one thing that's really nice is you have people who also had children, and they'll offer and donate their clothes or their materials to you. And so if anyone in our church, if you get birth or you're pregnant, just know, don't buy new clothes for your baby. There's plenty of clothes for us to pass down. Now, that happened for my wife where she uh, had some messengers saying, hey, I have clothes for your newborn if you want to use ours. And so my wife told me, hey, can you go pick it up from uh, our this church member? So my wife was home. I drove by myself after work, and I went to their house. They gave me this huge box, and then they gave me this boba, this nice boba saying, hey, I know your wife is like, you know, she's probably having a hard time at home. Can you give this to her and tell her, like, hey, hang in there? I said, oh, no problem, thanks. And I carried this box, put it in my car, put the boba, put it in my car, and I'm driving home. And as I'm driving home, I'm like, wow, it's really hot right now. It is so hot in this car. And I look at this boba, I'm like, that boba looks really nice. Oh my gosh, they didn't give me a boba. They just gave my wife a boba. And as I kept driving, I was like, you know, if I drank this boba right now, my wife would have no idea. Because they never told her that they bought her a boba. They just told me to give to her this boba. And that was a real dilemma of the spirit and the flesh kind of battling one another in that moment. And if I were to confess, if I had bought the boba for my wife, I would have drank it. I would have, I probably would have done it. Because, you know, again, my wife wouldn't know or so forth. But the fact that somebody else gave me the boba for the purpose of giving it to my wife, I just couldn't do it. It was, it was hard, but I resisted that temptation where I resisted that and I gave the boba to my wife for the intended purposes that was given to me. In a similar way, all of you are given something. You all have some type of talent, something that you are good at. And the big question is, are you drinking the boba? Or are you giving it to others? Because that's why God gave you the boba. That's why God gave you your abilities. See, if we're honest with ourselves, the natural tendency is whatever talents or blessings we have, we use to bless ourselves, to give us clout, to make us look great, to build up our careers, our social media presence. And again, you guys are talented people. I know, I see your social media. I'm like, wow, you guys are gifted. We will naturally do that to bless and build up ourselves and to progress our stories. That's how all of humanity is. And that's why Paul, he says in verse 2, you notice how he describes the Corinthians? You know you were pagans, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. You once thought that way. But Paul says, as a Christian, your paradigm should have shifted. Your paradigm shifts where now everything, even your faith, it is a gift to you. That's why verse 3, Paul says, I want you to understand, no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one says Jesus is Lord, except in what? 
the Holy Spirit. Your faith is something given to you, empowered by the Spirit. And guess what? Your talents, your abilities, your resources, those are also given to you by the Spirit. And that means God wants you to use it in a certain way to bless others. This is spiritual gifts. It's when the Spirit of God uses your natural gifts to progress not your story, but the story of God. The story of God. And we do this by how? Loving each other and doing in service for one another. So, again, all of you, you all have a boba in your hand right now, metaphorically speaking. Some of you have two to three bobas. But the big question is, who's drinking it? Who's drinking it? Kids, all the children here, you are good at something already. It's probably something that you enjoy doing, and you have a little worksheet page that you can write down. What are you good at? Those might be things that the Spirit uses to stir later on as you grow up. Singles, those of you who are single who don't have children right now, just know in our culture today, the single years tend to be the most selfish years. We tend to think this is my time because the selfishness began in childhood. And then we think, but, you know, we master as adults. Once I have kids, I'll be more selfless. It does not happen. You just become more tired. But the thing is, right now is the season where you'll never have more time to use your gifts to bless others. There's a small window you have where you can maximize your time to either bless yourself or be in love and service to other people. Parents, for all the parents here, uh, I've posted this on my social media, but do you know the number one reason why children follow Jesus when they grow up? The number one reason is this. This is statistically according to Barna. It's kind of strange. Number one is you eat dinner together five out of seven days of the week. Hey, interesting. So pretty much like the solid family unit, it solidifies the faith of the household. That's number one. But do you know what number two is? It's when a, a father and mother serve in the ministry with their child. When you are doing service together, for some reason, that just makes a big impact on children. That's why I love it in our church when we do food bank. I love it when parents don't just serve the neighborhood. They bring their kids. Let's do this together. I long for the day when I see fathers setting up little tent poles and canopies outside, and I see all the kids doing it as well. I look forward to the day where people are hosting community groups in the church and their children are hosting with them. That's kind of what happens. We have this ability for us to do this, but it only happens if we choose to use our gifts to not bless ourselves and to serve ourselves, but to serve others. Not our story, but God's story. And that leads to now the second point, which is the practice of spiritual gifts. Well, how does God actually do this? What, how, do I, how should I even navigate through what I should pay attention to for God to use? And thankfully, we have a list. Paul lays out a list in verse 8 to 11. Now, what's interesting, when we look at that list, it sounds very jarring. Like, what are these, these gifts and so forth? And sometimes, again, we do the online survey. What am I good at? Tongues and so forth. But what's interesting is this is not the only place in the Bible that gives a list. In fact, if you see, uh, there's a survey where you see there are different passages, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 11, verses 20 to 30, Romans 12 and Ephesians, that lays out all these different gifts that are out there. And what's most fascinating about this is no list is the same. All the lists have different gifts. Some overlap, but every single one is different. Why? Uh, two scholars, they say like this, quote, nowhere does Paul provide a complete list of spiritual gifts. He provides us instead with a variety of partial lists, no two of which completely agree. And there is no reason to believe that we would come up with an exhaustive list simply by compiling those gifts that Paul happens to mention in these different representative examples. In other words, Paul is saying is you're not going to find a set list of things. With, there's, these are the, the 12 spiritual gifts. Which one do you have? That's not what the Bible does. Instead, what we have to see is that the Spirit of God 
works differently in every church. Depending on who's here and what kind of gifts and natural abilities we have, those are the spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul, or that the Spirit of God works with. And that's why in verses 4 to 6, do you notice what's repeated in those verses of 1 Corinthians 12? Paul says, starting in verse 4, if you look again, there are a varieties of gifts for the same Spirit. There are varieties of service for the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. In other words, for our children and for all of us, the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people. Everyone's gift will look different. Because you are each given something to beautify the world, and the Spirit of God works in that to bless others. Now, what are some ways that this plays out? How do we actually use our gifts, and you know, what should we look for? This is, again, where the list is helpful. Notice in verse 4, Paul says uh, there are varieties of gifts. Verse 5, service and activities. He breaks down three categories, which could be helpful for us. Gifts. For some of us, this is what we've been talking about. All of us have some type of talent that the Spirit of God could use to bless others. And it's not just this talent, but even our personalities, our resources, or our, our, the way we're wired. Like some of you, you could sing. You could sing really well. You sing songs by Nicki Minaj or whoever it is. I just dated myself right now. But you just sing songs from pop artists, whoever they are. And the Spirit of God is like, hey, leverage that to worship. Leverage that to worship. Some of you know to organize really well because you organize your room. How is that for the kingdom? How do you leverage that for the kingdom? Some of you are just amazing artists. You are creative. Is there a way you could do that to beautify God's church? Some of you are awesome at cooks. And that's why we have people outside. They're just using their cooking skills to bless all of us for us to fellowship with each other. Some of you, it's not a gift. It's your resources. You have resources that other people do not have. College students, I know your situation. You ain't got much money. So you're not going to be able to donate a lot today. Sandwiches on us for a lot of you guys, okay? But you got time. You got a lot of time. You have a lot of energy. And that's where a lot of college students, those are the blessed years to volunteer. Because you have something to offer that a lot of us don't have. For those of you who are adults, you have no time. You have zero time in your mind, but you got money. You can be generous. You still got energy. You could play golf with church people. You got energy to leverage that. Parents, we have no time. We have no energy. And because a lot of us bought homes, we have no money. But we have homes. We have houses. We can welcome people. In fact, I have yet to hear somebody go, oh my gosh, this parent invited me to their house to grab dinner. Oh, so annoying. Nobody thinks that way. In fact, people go, you know, when a parent approached me to grab dinner, and that was like huge, huge blessing. They cooked for me. They opened their home to me. I saw the chaos of their house. Only parents could do that. Because we have a household that we could open up our homes for. We have resources. Some of us have different personalities. All of you who are extroverts, just know, you know when your gift is going to shine during the retreat? Game time. When it's game time, the extroverts need to rise. Need to rise together and just bring that energy to our church. But you know when we break out into small groups at retreat, you know who rises? The introverts. Introverts rise. Let the questions be asked. Let the insights be given because we all are wired in different ways. Whether it be your personality, your talents, or your resources. You don't need a survey to figure that out. Just leverage what you have for the kingdom because God 
has given a variety of gifts. Some of you, it's not just gifts, but what does Paul say in the second category, verse 5? Services. There are services for some of us. These are arenas or opportunities that the Spirit calls you. Because some of you, you're not here in a vacuum. You're here at this particular church, at this particular time, during this particular season, with your particular gifts. That means you're here at an interesting moment in your life and you have unique opportunities to offer for people here around you. This is a secret, no, it's not a secret, it's a myth, kind of a, a sad legend that I've, some of you know, but there was a season where I was the worship leader of this church. During praise, I was the one with the guitar leading everybody in worship. And you know why? It's not because this was my gift. I was not talented at all. I knew the chords GCD, that's all. And the people said, that's enough, because that is three chords more than what everyone else knows in this congregation. I was like, are you serious? So I led praise for four weeks, just leading everybody in worship. Not because it was my gift, but why? I was at a particular place, at a particular time, for a particular season, with my particular skill set, whatever limit it was, and it seemed like no one else could do it but me. Now, some of you here, you feel like you're not gifted in certain areas, but here in our context, oh, you are. Yes, you are. Some of you don't feel like you're the best musician. You don't feel like, you only feel comfortable singing at karaoke. Here, here's a second, here's a second arena you can sing in. Because I bet you, if you have some talent in your voice, you're better than most of us. And that's, that's something you leverage. That's your, that's your service. Some of you, you feel like young parents. You feel like, I don't know how to parent well. I have only, I just became a parent. My child is two years old. But that, we have a lot of parents that have one-year-olds, and you make a great mentor for those folks. Because you may not feel wise, but you're wiser than a lot of us there. Some of you don't feel like you're a good counselor. You're like, me? I'm a, I don't know how to counsel well. I listen well, but that's it. And yet, for some reason, there is somebody who's just a mess in your community group, and they need somebody to listen to them, and for some reason, you're there. In other words, there are a variety of services that God gives to all of us, and it's up to us to see, do we take advantage of the opportunity? Lastly, and this is the most interesting one, there are a variety of activities in verse 6. This is a moment where the Spirit of God shows up. Uh, verse 8 to 11, it's weird. Uh, Paul says, the, you know, this is moments where the Holy Spirit is here. It could be like if, I bet you if I brought someone up, my arm is, like we have a sister, she broke her, she tore her Achilles, she's in a wheelchair. If she came up to the stage and I was like, Spirit of God, and I went put my hands on her, and her Achilles healed, she's like walking. Half of us would think it's a hoax, but let's pretend it's really real. Well, what happened is like, oh my gosh, how do we explain that? Maybe the Spirit of God was here. There's a clear sign, right? That's one way. And maybe one day that will happen. But more oftentimes, what's interesting is the Spirit of God, he makes himself known not through these crazy, miraculous ways, but through these small, implicit ways. Because the gifts are what? It's not just tongues, but it's wisdom. It's knowledge. It's something that, uh, it's something that when we offer counsel to somebody, and they just, it just heals them because they were really burdened this whole week. And that word of encouragement just really spoke to them. That's the Spirit of God moving. It's when worship is taking place, and it's the same songs that you sung your whole childhood. It's the same band, and yet for some reason the entire congregation, we're just singing extra loud. We're just moved and stirred. What's going on? It's the Spirit of God. And when you see that, that's when you kind of just see the Spirit just moving and propelling in their congregation because the Spirit of God is making himself known through gifts, through services, and through activities. There's a podcast I'm listening to. It's called Mr. Ballin. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that podcast before. It's really dark, so don't listen to it if you can't handle the mysterious and squeamish. But it's a true crime podcast, and one thing that always happens is if you don't know who killed somebody, 
uh, just know number one is always a spouse. It's always a spouse that's the killer. But number two, uh, they always get caught through DNA and fingerprints. If someone says, I didn't kill them, but you see fingerprints or DNA at the murder spot, you were there. You were clearly at the murder scene. In a similar way, this is kind of twisted, but in a similar way, the Spirit of God, he makes his presence known. You see his fingerprints all over the congregation when we use our gifts, when we use our activities, when, we are, when we're not just passively just eating burgers and just watching, but when we're participating, serving, in love, in our unique way, that's when it's like, dude, the Spirit of God is just moving in this church. And the question is, is that something you're leveraging? Do you leverage your gift in this way? And for some of us, you've been leveraging it for a long time. For others, we're in a different place with that, and we're just kind of tired. And that's where the last point, and I'll be very brief, the power for spiritual gifts. Paul, he doesn't just tell us there are a variety of gifts that are out there. But he, notice he also emphasizes someone's giving you these gifts. Look what he says one last time, verses 4 to 6. Paul writes, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. That's interesting. Paul, he lists out, hey, you're getting these gifts from somebody. And he could have easily just said, you're getting from God. You're getting from God. You're getting from God. What does Paul do? Verse 4, from the same spirit. Verse 5, the same Lord. Verse 6, the same God. What's going on here? What commentators agree is that Paul, he is introducing who's involved with the gifts, with the church. We believe in not just God, but a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is who it is. Trinity. God is three, yet he is one. The Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Spirit is fully God. They are all one. And this God, he is fully present in his church. He is fully present in creation. He is fully present in salvation. And in this church, the triune God is fully present, offering not just his gifts, but himself to us as well. Because he is the giver of gifts. He gives us what we need to be able to build up this church. And when we do that, his presence is just powerfully here in the community that does that. You know, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite movies that I've seen before. I love this one scene where Frodo Baggins, he's like, hey, I have to bring the ring and destroy it on Mordor and toss it in. But he went to the group of people who was telling him to do this, saying, but I do not know the way. I don't know if I could get there alone. And you remember that powerful scene where they all go, you have my sword. And this other guy, the elf goes, and you have my bow. And then the dwarf goes, and you have my axe. And it's like this powerful moment that's there. Now, in that moment, they weren't just giving him weapons going, thanks, guys. And he walks up to, the, to Mordor, right? It's a symbolic way going, you have my gift. And includes not just my axe, but me. You have my bow, including me. You have my sword, including me. Because as helpful as those weapons are, what... Frodo needs the most is the person who offers and wields that weapon to him. And in a similar way, this is what God is doing for us. He offers us these gifts to practice with one another, but we are not alone. He is coming with us, dwelling with us as he offers these gifts, and we can experience them fully as we practice these gifts because it is the Spirit of God that's just kind of operating and moving in this church as we practice love and service to one another. How are we doing? We doing good? Kids doing good? About to close right now. So let me just close with this. First of all, implication number one. If you are somebody um, who, again, I'm saying this because we're all in different places. Some of you right now, you are at this church 
and you've just been dormant for a long time, you don't even know what spiritual gifts are, you don't even think about your gifts in any place or any time, um, and the exhortation for you is serve others. Be a blessing to others. The problem is for some of us, we're stuck in our spiritual lives, we don't know what to do. Read my Bible, pray, but it could be, no, you gotta serve. You gotta bless others, and you, you can. In these unique, very customized version of you. Serve others, get involved. If you know where to go, dude, I could point you where to go. I could point you to where to go of how to serve. But some of us, that's something that's needed. We need to be activated and serve others. Some of you, you are here, uh, you're a member of this church, and to be honest, the past year, you've been enjoying church because it's great. Someone's watching your kids, someone's feeding you burgers, someone's playing praise for you, someone's turning on the AC, and you're like, this is my church and I love it because I am receiving so many blessings. And again, that's awesome, the first two months, the first five months, the first eight months. But after a year of us doing that, it's now time for the spirit to go, wait, what can we do to really help and to build up one another? Not just the church, but the people, the people here. And some of you, you're really, t you've been that person where I'm turning on the AC, I'm playing guitar, and I'm tired. And to those folks, I'm like, I get it. We took the six weeks off to take a break because we're tired. Some of us are really tired. But here's the problem. If we come back from those six weeks of rest thinking we're going to be refreshed because we just took a break, you're not just tired physically. Your soul is tired. The soul is tired. And what you need is not just to serve in the spirit, but you need to receive the spirit now. And for a lot of us, when we take breaks from things, quote breaks, we're that, what we mean by that is watching a lot of Netflix, just chilling. But in reality, you actually need to receive the spirits, engage in the spirit, experience his presence. And so I hope for those of you, if you've just been kind of chilling these days, I, I hope it's actually encouraging. I hope you can breathe. I hope as you continue to break, that it can be in the spirit of God because there's an empty tank that a lot of us have and perhaps it's been empty because we have not been relying upon the spirit enough. That's true in my life. When I'm tired, it's sometimes physical, but oftentimes I've just been kind of neglecting the spirit in my life to keep going. And so church, when we think of a spirit-filled church, please don't think of it as loud worship only or amens during a sermon or tongues are being spoken. We're like, this is a spirit-filled church. What Paul tells us is a spirit-filled church is a church that's the spirit of God is moving in people to love and to serve one another, using your gifts for the common good. Can we take a moment to pray as I invite our praise team, meaning Eric, our brother Eric up. Um, wherever you, I know, again, we're all in different places we're all in different spots in our lives, and our church, there's a lot of just needs that are there, not just programs, but people. And some of us, we've been doing that, we're tired. Some of us, we've been dormant, and some of us, we just need, to, we have gifts we just haven't been taking advantage of. If we ask the Lord to stir in our hearts, to speak to him honestly about where we're at, and again, the church is as strong as its members, and so we take a moment to pause, to hear the children continue to chatter, because that's awesome, because our church is filled with life, but us in the midst of that to share with God our hearts and to pray. So take a minute just to pause and be still, and then afterwards I'll close this all in prayer. Let's pray.